Hello, and welcome back to the Auburn Observer podcast, episode number two. Justin Ferguson, joined, as always, by Painter Sharpless. Hello, Painter. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing even better because we all wanted to know what the follow-up was going to be from our first episode. We appreciate everybody who reached out, all the good reviews we've gotten, even the bad reviews. I don't think I don't think we've got the people they've been asking. They've been asking for it. And so we had to follow it up. We couldn't just ease into like a safe episode for episode two. We do springboards here, baby. That's why we're stepping our game up in episode two. Our very first guest, you will always be known as the very first guest of the Auburn Observer podcast from the Montgomery Advertiser. Now the perfect Friday guest, because this will come out on Friday, Mr. Josh Vitale. Hello, Joshua. Hello, guys. I'm so honored to be here that you reached out to me and had me first, first first guest well, we need the we need the bump. We need we need more subscribers. It's been this, it's been great, and we need we need more. This so. will get you. I would say two. Mm-hmm. Um, John and Amy Vitali. They may subscribe. <laughs> I need. I need. That's I need, pretty good. Yeah, That's I need the Vital. I need the Vitali's approval for sure. Um, also, a reminder. Wonderful people, by the way. The, the Vitalis. Love them. Who was it that you saw on the plane? Were they a family member or a random person that you knew who happened to listen to the lunch break with you on it? Wasn't there someone you oh, this, encountered? I encountered, no, it was, it was not a person I knew, just someone who recognized my voice and said, I loved the lunch break podcast. And that, I told you guys that on air. Yeah. That was so cool. Like, one, they recognized my voice, but two, like, <laughs> I hear you on TLB. I listen to you on the golf course. I'm like, that's incredible. Now, you can, now you can listen to us on the golf course on the Auburn Observer podcast. Yes. And Josh will be our first guest, and we will try to have him on, not every week probably, since we only do two episodes a week. It won't be it won't be like old times quite. You can just that, that'll hurt door. me. But whenever you call, I'll probably be there. <laughs> All right. So uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate everybody signing up for the Auburn Thank Observer. Uh, first few days, mm-hmm. um, as of recording, we are nearing 800 people Insane. have signed up, and we appreciate all of you for joining on and uh, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Hope this podcast uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, also, big big announcement here: we're on pretty much every major platform. I think at this point, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, uh, we are on Stitcher, we are on TuneIn, we are on whatever in the world Pocket Cast is. We've been trying to figure That's that a one thing. out. We think it's from Germany, but Justin is not sure. We haven't done any uh, research. So anywhere you want to listen to, yeah, <laughs> any, anywhere you want to listen to your podcast, you'll be able to get. It. So if you're listening to this on you know, through the Auburn Observer website, through the um, through the Substack, you'll be able to uh, subscribe on whatever platform you prefer, and it'll be beamed directly to you. You'll still get emails notifying you about it. If you don't want the emails notif- notifying about the podcast, you can turn that off in the settings at Substack. Uh, you can uh, you can always tweet me at jfergusonau if you need some help with that. All right, here we go. Let's get into it today. We got a lot to talk about. We got, do. We got a we got a good bit to talk about, and uh, including a couple of stories that Josh has written recently on the Montgomery Advertiser uh, that we want to talk about. But because I'm selfish and this is my <laughs> show and this is my and this is this is my outlet now, uh, we're going to talk about a thing I wrote first. And, that seems uh, only fair. So Thursday at the Observer, um, I wrote a story about Roger McCreary. Um, be- Raj. Oh, Raj. Uh, Roger McCreary is one of the more Interesting case studies, I think, on this football team this year because no one has any doubts in their minds that he is going to be not only the start, the starting cornerback, but like the guy Auburn relies on the most at that position in 2020. Despite not ever being a starter or more than the number three cornerback. Which is yes, that, and I'm glad you said that because that's a that's a lot that you know that's a lot of uh, the counters to it. It's like, yeah. well, can you really trust him? 
Look, if you look at the numbers, yeah, Josh is saying yes. You yes. can, you can trust him confidently. If, if you can look at the number, if you look at the numbers, and this, and these are some of the numbers I got from uh, Sports Info Solutions. Big shout out to those guys. Um, Roger McCreary got as much traffic, if not more traffic, than a lot of starting cornerbacks at Auburn usually do. Um, meaning, in coverage, he was getting challenged, and he was on the he was on the field a good bit. Yeah, because when you look, go back and watch some of these games from twenty nineteen. They like to move Javaris Davis around, especially on third downs, certain packages if they want to go in the dime, they want to move him around. So McCreary saw a lot of time as an outside corner opposite Noah Igbenogany. He got a lot of traffic his way, and, man, he really, really produced. And, it, Josh, it really falls in line with a lot of what we've heard from pretty much anyone who's talked about Roger McCreary over the last 365 days. But it's only stepped up here recently as they've gotten closer to the 2020 season, and he's got to be the lead dog now. Yeah, and I, I feel like I saw – in him, similar to what we saw from Noah Igbenogany, not in terms of play style, but I remember two years ago, that Washington game, Noah got picked on. Mm-hmm. He was the new guy who was the wide receiver, is a, not a cornerback. So like, all right, we're going to target this guy. And he held his own. Last year, Noah's the number one guy, Javaris Davis' experience. So when Roger McCreary was in, he was the guy teams picked on, at least initially. And then he immediately held his own. And then he was a guy that after a while, you weren't saying, well, third guy's in the field, we're going to throw at him. He played well. I think he led the team in pass breakups like 11 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great in coverage. That's why there's there's no, like you said, there's no question. Like, it's not like, oh, Auburn has two like two open starting spots at cornerback. Who's going to fill them? Like, no, it has one open spot because <laughs> Roger McCreary's in the other one. It's already settled. Yeah, and, and he had double-digit pass breakups. He's only one of five defensive backs under Kevin Steele at Auburn to have gotten to that mark. He's very disruptive. So, like, Guys were going to throw at him, but he was going to do a good job of making sure that it was going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, LOL, that Jamar Chase video you put in the story. Yeah. Because not only did he track him, but then he came back. I mean, it was... I, Wonderful play. Yeah, I think I had downplayed that play a little bit because I was tired of Auburn fans pointing to that as like, oh, Roger... It's like, no, there's plenty of other things yeah. Roger McCreary has done. But going back and watching the play, it was like, actually, there's a good reason why that play was so celebrated. He was one of only six players to pick off Joe Burrow last year, He and he did it by locking up Jamar Chase, who was the best receiver in college football yeah. last year and would have been the best receiver in college football this year, but as we learned earlier this week, he is opting out and he will not be playing in the 2020 season, whatever that looks like for LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing to keep in mind with – with Roger McCreary is that his numbers and you have to get like really deep into getting like coverage numbers. It's, it's hard to track, especially yeah. at the college level. But if you kind of dig into those numbers and find them and, the, and look for, look for them in the right places, now pro football focus was super high on him said yeah. he was their top returning Auburn's top returning player this year. Um, his numbers top 10 in the sec among cornerbacks who got like a lot of action thrown there true, by the way not to disrail it to, to derail you here but like based on what you guys have seen is that can you go out and say roger mccurry is your best returning player this year or did he just mean it or did they just mean it defensive back it just they said it period because High, of, highest graded yeah which, and, it, and and it's their subjective yeah. grades but they have some objective numbers to back mm-hmm. it up with with the, with some of their with some of his you know ability uh, like yards per attempt when he was thrown at, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, if I remember correctly like fifth in the SEC. I should probably know I wrote it. Um, <laughs> you know, passer rating was really high. He was I know he was you know top top six in that category. Completion percentage was low when throwing him. His his uh, his passer rating uh, the passer rating again on throws towards him when he was in coverage last year actually better than Noah Benogany's. Ah. Which is pretty impressive, considering how well Noah Benogany played, 
how everybody said, okay, he's a lockdown guy. And then there's this other thought that I think people are going to have where it's like, okay, well, Roger McCreary, um, you know, is going to be this number one guy this year, but he's going to have to face tougher matchups. And to an extent that is true, but also like... He was already playing Jamar Chase. Yeah, he was already covering the best receiver. Like LSU wanted to highlight Chase on him. And Auburn doesn't do a lot of follow coverage. So nope. I guess I know he's moving around the formation to follow the best receiver. Usually you're year. left or you're right, yes. usually. And 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 so that's that's the way they play. That's the way they've always played it, um, you know, under Kevin Steele. And, they, you know, always flexibility there. But, yeah, I mean, if LSU wanted to put their best receiver and make sure McCreary was the guy guarding him, that was going to happen. And Chase won some of those matchups, but McCreary won some of those yeah. matchups as well. It was a really good head-to-head between those two guys. As he's just really, really prepared. And you look at his numbers, it's like pick up, pick on, you know, uh, you know, pick up the stats from uh Carlton Davis's all SEC campaign. McCreary was better in some of those stats last year, which is kind of crazy to think yeah. about. He was better than Igbenogany in some of his stats. You can go back to Jamel Dean or when Josh Holsey had a really good season in 2016. He outperformed those guys in some certain areas. And so, like, that was the whole crux of the story. It's not, it's not, you know. Could he be ready, you know, to be the number one guy? It's like, no, he's already shown he can be the number one guy. It's just going to be a matter of does the rest of, you know, college football, really, SEC college football, find out how good Roger McCreary is? Because I think a lot of Auburn people know, but you got to kind of really lock it down. And if you are on the fence about him, don't be. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie in this case. This dude... Was already playing like a top tier SEC. Are we going to see him much in the first two games though? Because Kentucky is probably not going to throw at him a lot. I mean, I'm not disrespecting Terry Wilson. I'm just saying, like, I don't think he's going to. It's going to be a run heavy game. Yeah, and, and, and they got some really good running backs. And then you look at Georgia, and we can probably talk about that at some point. But uh, without <laughs> without Jamie Newman in the picture, like we all expect Daniels to be a good quarterback. I mean, you can parse that a little bit, but. It's going to be game two for them. So I'm, and like we've been over and over the offensive line at Georgia. You've got Monken. You've got this transfer quarterback coming in who's your starter. So it's like, are, is their pass game going to be perfect and very fluid? Probably not. It's like I almost wonder if in the first two games you don't hear McCreary's name much because I don't think many people are going to throw at him. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think passing games in general are just going to look a little wonky early yeah, on yeah. this year without spring ball with a weird fall. Well, yeah, without fall without fall. It's just easier to mm-hmm. run the ball. It is just easier to like. <laughs> just turn and, and make sure the other guy yeah. gets it. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point. Does that because Auburn or no? <laughs> depends on how good their, run, their, their <laughs> running game is. It depends on how good that offensive line like, comes normally together. Normally I would say, hey, that's something that, you know, Gus Malzahn's not shy about doing. Uh, obviously being one-dimensional is problematic, and I'm not – but, like, this year But the passing game should be better this year. That should be the strength of your team, especially considering offensive line play last year, passing was – yeah. Your specialty, but yeah, back to McCreary. It's just sorry. No, it's, you're all good. It's the thing about the thing about McCreary is that you know Auburn is three for three right now in CB ones on their team going to the NFL and becoming early round draft picks. Yeah, uh, Carlton Davis was a second round pick. Jamal Dean was a third round pick, and of course Noah becoming a first round pick. Um, so wild. Yeah, that he did that. And Davis and Dean were good recruits. Yeah, they weren't all world recruits, but they were good recruits. Igbenogany was one of those cases where it was just like, oh, it's just an athletic freak. Just ran him in in the right position, you know, and and he took off because his work ethic and his athleticism were off the charts. And it's part of the reason why the the Dolphins, with their third pick in the draft, took a chance on him in the first round because they thought, man, his upside is really, really high. We'll think that could be a steal. Um, Roger McCreary will be a, like, success story of all success stories. It'll be very similar, I think, uh, if he gets drafted – you know, an early round guy. I think it'd be a lot similar to what Daniel Thomas yeah. did. 
I'm a um, middling three-star recruit. And in yeah. the case of Thomas, the case of Thomas, he was going to go to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Roger McCreary was committed to South Alabama before Auburn really turned the turned the screws on him in recruiting. He had a really good senior season at Williamson. I remember, and I, and I took this out of the story because it because it kind of felt a little clunky, but I I can tell about talk about it on the podcast. I remember. So Roger McCreary got an offer from Auburn in December of um, yeah. 2017 and uh, made a visit in in January, early January 20, 2018. A week later, Gus Malzahn and Kevin Steele were at Lad People Stadium in Mobile um, watching Auburn Senior Bowl, you know, Auburn players at Senior Bowl practice, something they do all the time. Well, when they go down on those visits, they usually do it during the middle of recruiting. If you don't know anything about Williamson and Mobile and Lad, Pe- Lad People Stadium is literally across the parking lot from uh, Williamson, and so it was an easy visit to make. It was an easy uh, visit, and then the next day after that visit, he commits to Auburn. He was eight eight eighty nine, I believe, nationally in the country. He was not. He was barely a top one hundred cornerback. Um, wasn't a top thirty player in the state of Alabama, but yet Auburn knew they had something in him. And he and he defied the odds. He was in the yeah. rotation early. All I remember from that was that, like, when he committed, it was like, yes, he's a three star. But everything I heard was Kevin Steele loves this kid. Yeah, like it was just like well, Nehemiah Kevin Pritchett Steele wanted this. Guy. Nehemiah Pritchett is another guy who's going to fit in that same boat. I yeah. think you know a guy who's competing for for that starting job next to opposite whatever you want to call that with with um, with McCreary, mm-hmm. him and Marco Domio, I think are really you know that's and they're going to need all three of those guys. You're going to need so much depth this year just because also, of the awareness. Of three cornerbacks anyway. Right. And then on top of that, you've got the COVID concerns where, yeah. like, anybody can be out at any given time. So For three weeks. Yeah, yeah. so you have to you have to be prepared in that in that aspect. But I remember 2018, Auburn played at Ole Miss. And, you know, Ole Miss was, it was Jordan Talmud. They were, they were chunking the ball the around. around. They really good receivers. Yeah. Um, you know, that they had as, you know, uh, DK Metcalf especially was, was, just, a, was just a terror uh, for that team. Um, and I remember McCreary getting a good bit of snaps in that game and thinking like, oh, this team's got it. Like he made some really good impressive plays. I think that's the thing that we're going to see again. Like it, it's a good sign though, for the future. And we've talked about it. We used to talk about it on the, uh, on our old show painter, if Kevin Steele and like Auburn, especially defensive back, if Kevin Steele and, you know, Auburn's defensive backs coach, whoever it is, goes out of their way to get a lower rated, like a three-star guy, Usually says a lot about him because it's worked. Daniel Thomas has worked out. Jordan Peters has worked out. I think Nehemiah Pritchett's going to work out, and I think Roger McCreary is already. Jeremiah Denson a three star? That's a good question. I think, I think, I think he might have been. been. I yeah. think he was. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 one of those things where they just they just hit, and especially yeah. in-state guys. I know Denson was a Florida kid, right. but the rest of those guys were like playing, you know, in-state and just locking down some some diamond the rough guys that weren't necessarily playing. The big, you know, might not be playing the big seven on seven circuits like in Georgia and Florida or mm-hmm. those high profile schools. Hitting some of these kids in Alabama, like you know, Roger played it. Roger played it at, at, at Williamson. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett is is uh, uh, from Jackson, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I've been to Jackson before. There's not a whole lot going on. Uh, you know, Jordan Peters is at, was at Muscle Shoals, a bigger school, but you know, not necessarily a you know Power pipeline house. of a yeah. ton of talent. And this, I think, the same thing goes with Daniel Thomas at Lee, although we found out that Lee was really, really good and was putting out players. One of them, uh, Henry Ruggs, is, is, is going to probably find himself into a pretty good season. Yeah. You know, his, his rookie season with the Raiders. Um, so, Did you ask about Denson? Yeah. He was nationally uh, 1,221st and yeah. 108th uh, in his cornerback class. In 2015, he was a three-star. Yeah, so three that's another starter. one. That's another one. And even though, yeah, and even though that would have been – 
right before Steele got yes. on board, um, it, it kind of fits in the same cr- mm-hmm. criteria, you know, just evaluating. Because at that point, you know, Auburn's defensive backs, that is the run of the uh, T-Rob. Yeah. That is the T-Rob era of recruiting as the Will Muschamp when they went in and just said, all your Florida guys are now <laughs> ours now. We're yeah. going to take them all. And, and not all of them worked out, but most of them did. And they kind yeah. of built the basis of what Auburn's been, especially in the secondary, over these last few seasons. All right, uh, Josh, you have got a couple stories I really wanted to have you on to talk about because both of them are really, really good and really fascinating, um, especially this first one. Um, the second one is a, is, a, is a topic we hit on a little bit in the first episode, but we want to go in more depth with it uh, because you went more in depth with it with your story at the Montgomery Advertiser. Um, kickoff times. So we know Auburn is playing an 11er against Kentucky in week one. They're playing on the SEC Network. Everyone groaned. You heard a yep. groan emanate throughout of all the Auburn universe. You I'm not going to say, I'm not gonna say family. I mean, universe. Thank you. Uh, I, you said it, though. The first couple of games, narrative, baby. Just like week one, two, three, Auburn versus narrative. Like you've got Auburn, Love it. Kentucky, the Joey Gatewood thing. Who still hasn't been cleared, by the way. Uh, yeah. well, at this point, he probably even if he gets cleared, he's probably not going to start. No. They really like Terry Wilson, and they should, yeah. but I think he might be a walk. They got him to be the guy in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And then obviously week two will be fascinating. Auburn struggling against Georgia. And then who am I forgetting in week three? Arkansas. Okay. And Chad, well, Morris, Chad Bull, Morris, baby. baby. Especially if, I mean, it doesn't matter if Auburn wins or loses in Athens. I feel like that's a game where Auburn's going to try to score 70. I think, like, yeah. I, like, yeah, I think that's good. I, I think they will get to 60 in that game. It feels right. Even yeah. with an offense that will be, be figuring itself out in week three of college football, because I think every offense Gus will be... Gus and Chad are putting the pedal down that whole game. But everybody hates early kickoffs. And as a fan, <laughs> I would understand why you would hate an early kickoff. It's a bad time. You, you have, have to, to wake get... Up. Wake to, up early. Wake up early. Tail, tailgate. Tailgate scenes. And if you lose, you don't even want to be hanging around after the game. That that, that sucks as well. Yeah. For people in the media, we always enjoyed them because you got actually got a, 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 a night where you got to kind of relax and actually watch some football. But, you know, that's... Could eat dinner before midnight. That's that's <laughs> our, that's our thing. But there's all there's been this... This um, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if calling it a trope is the right word. Um, it's definitely a well-worn legend at this point. It's that you say 11 o'clock games, and, and there's at least two or three people in your mentions on Twitter who are saying, we always play badly at 11 o'clock, or we always lose at 11 mm-hmm. o'clock, or something like that. And you dug into the numbers. What did you find about 11 o'clock games for Auburn? Uh, they don't always play bad. No. More often than not, they play well. Uh, <laughs> play well in the fact that they always did they win? Because, like, you told me the record before. They do win. And they, they do. So they have started slow in these games. They start slow in any time slot. So I look back. I did two things. I look back 15 years to mm-hmm. include some Tuberville and all the Chiswick. Yep. Um, over those 15 years, Auburn is 25 and 15 in, in games that start at noon or earlier. Regular okay. season games. Right. If you take out. 2012 and 2015, which we're, we're massaging numbers here at this, at this point, but mm-hmm. those seasons were garbage at every time slot, pretty much. Take those out, and Auburn is 21 and 8 okay. in noon games earlier. Gus Malzahn, 10 and 4 overall. Take out 2015. I should have taken out 16 on last four years, 8 and 1. Yeah. With that one loss being Tennessee. And that's, that's <laughs> what, that's the problem. I think it's not that Auburn is worse than 11. 11 a.m. games than any other time. It's that the losses, you remember for some reason, 
and I, I think that's true in any case, a bad loss will will be remembered much longer than a nondescript win. Right. So no, like, Auburn throttling Mississippi State at 11 a.m. It's like, okay, whatever, who cares? But Auburn losing against Tennessee at 11 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, th- and, they, and they, they were up, I think, 31 nothing at halftime. I mean, they destroyed them. It was was that good. the first game they figured out that Cam Pettway could just rock? Yes. That was also the game. That was the game. Was, Karrion got hurt that game, I think. Yes. Or, yeah. Or was out or something like that. Yeah. Um, what a that, travesty. That was also was. the game. That was also the game, and I wrote about it when he got drafted. That was the game I will always remember Marlon Davidson for. That was the for the touchdown. He had the, oh, yeah. But he had the play where it was a third down, and State ran a screen pass, and he went from touching the quarterback to making the tackle yeah. short of the short of the first down that, marker. Was that the game he gave the quote after? Like, I'll never stop running or something? Yes. He yeah, was, yeah, was yeah, a yeah. way better quote than I just right. said. But he was like, yeah. <laughs> I promise I will never stop going in. Yeah. It's, it's, exactly, it's exactly what It's also something that I definitely see coming out of his mouth and something that will play very well in the Atlanta market. Yeah. A no. quote machine. Well, I, mean, I, have a, I, have a, I have a good friend of mine who covers the Falcons now, and I was talking to her the other day. She was like, we're getting Marlon, and I was like, you're going to love yes. him. As a media person. You are going to love him. It's going to be the best interview you've done all preseason. And she texted me back as soon as it got done and was like, oh, you're, you're 100% right. I love Marlon Davidson. It's like it's, it's impossible not to love him. The hardest part of covering Marlon Davidson was that you couldn't use all of his quotes in your no. story. And you wanted to. Like, you wanted the story to be 8,000. also the problem with Booby Whitlow. Yeah, you wanted to use every single quote and just fit them in some, like, I, take out my words and put in more of Marlins, but I, you can't do that. That's not how right. I like what you said, though, is, like, the, 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 the losses stick out more. Yeah, the Tennessee do. game is the quintessential Auburn early game because they looked horrible. On both, it wasn't like, you can't even just blame the offense. The defense was bad. They couldn't, get, they couldn't get it off the field on third down. The deep <laughs> balls, Garantano just kind of kind of whipping them on, yeah. on that. Then you had all the turnovers from, from – um, from Jared Stidham, by far his worst game as a, a as a Tiger, and a fumble return for a touchdown, and that that one felt like, it. And, it, and and Tennessee was so bad they had not won a, an SEC game in a while, and like that was it just was it Pruitt's first SEC win? Yes, yes, it was, and they ended up being <laughs> only one more that season. It was Kentucky, like right? They finished four and eight four overall. And eight, yeah. Bad. That it was, was a, bad a loss team. that, and people won't appreciate this because most people don't see it this way. That was funny. Because it was like, whoa, you guys, to lose that game, had to do all that. And I mean all that. Because you were yeah. clearly significant yep. bad, significantly better than that Tennessee team. But That wasn't even a good Auburn team, and it was significantly better than that. Yeah, yeah, and that was the team, we've talked about this before, between some tough calls and some missed opportunities against Mississippi State and Starkville, and probably playing the worst game, if you play that game out 10 times mm-hmm. that was the one option that Auburn could not blowing have blowing the lead in LSU You're probably yeah. getting a 10 win season yeah and you know that's I mean again it's a coulda shoulda woulda type thing but it's like man the, the margin but, there for Auburn in 2018 was not yeah. that it was but, small but that's the game that sticks out in your memory you don't, that one you don't remember like the Washington one was a good game they throttled Purdue in the bowl game but you remember that loss more than you remember either of those games the other the other thing is like you remember the close calls in the morning uh, really well. Um, Jack State. Jack State. Stands I mean, Jacksonville State will always be the one yep. where I think it might be better for Auburn's fans' memory if they were just like, and we lost that game. Like, <laughs> to the fact that you took it down that way and is like, oh, and then we had to scrape out this just garbage win at the end. Like, it, it, it doesn't like, it's like, well, you can't even be all the way mad. Like, you had all the right in the world to get like 100% angry at that game. And it's yeah. like, even then, like, you couldn't get full, you could get like 98% because it's like, oh, and we won. You know, it wasn't like an App State Michigan situation where like, how in the world did that happen? Or, you know, you get to that point. The the, the other one I always think of, fair or not, 
Um, and, and I'm biased because it's the games that I cover. Uh, but I always will remember 2016 Vanderbilt. That was not a good game. Oh. Horrible game. But that was... But do you remember why that one was specifically bad for yeah, us? Yeah, because Sean will... Do you remember why it was specifically bad for us? I know. All right, go ahead and say why you thought well, it was specifically I, the, the, bad. The, the game this was, was it was the John Franklin the third game. Sorry, the game was bad. It, that it wasn't like really Auburn, bad like audio. struggled coming out of the gates. Like they that was the game. Like it was a mystery Sean White injury that we hadn't heard about before. So yep. he's hurt. John Franklin the third starts was terrible for an entire first half, and they put in broken Sean White in the second half, and he was like mediocre. He like ran the ball like John yeah. ran the ball well in the game, but he couldn't throw two of four for nine yards. Yeah, which is not good. Yeah, because and that was the game that I got hurt. Yeah, that was. Petway's pulled tire and the the game clinching run where he fell down after like a sixty three yard run. That is also the game Zach Cunningham makes the makes the jump over the oh, the, yeah. the, the field goal block. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and blocks and then one of the most it, what, yeah they outlawed it like that yeah. summer. Yeah, it, it was incredible crazy play because it was just a it was a remarkable play. Here's the here's the other one I, I remember that game for, and this okay. is hey, I hope all our fans will indulge us for like thirty seconds. This is like super inside media. This song. is why you're here. Yeah, this is why you're here for it. The night before. Auburn played, Auburn basketball played, I believe was their opener. Might have been their opener, might have been something along those lines. They yeah. played They played on that Friday night. Like they won. Tip. It was an 8 o'clock tip. Good. They won, didn't play particularly well, and Bruce Pearl, it took him an hour to go to the <laughs> postgame. And so we were at the arena super, super late and then had to turn around nine hours later and be, and be at the stadium. I, I do recall walking to my car at about 1 a.m. And just being like, and just being like, and just being like, why don't I just stay here? I have to be here in about seven hours. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that was the other thing I always think about when I think oh, about God, a morning yeah. game. Uh, might be the only time Auburn media people just did not like the fact that they were playing. A morning most of the time, game. I love them. Yeah, and they're great. I also think home home eleven o'clock games because Are fans because fans don't get to appreciate it. if you if you play an eleven o'clock road game if you play like Arkansas if you play Ole Miss or Mississippi State or whatever A and M you have some, yeah. you have some notable A oh, and M wins yeah. you know in early slots. Um, yeah, you do that. You're like, you're like, oh, well, I don't care about it about this at all. Yeah, if it's a road game you're not traveling to, it's kind of perfect because you sleep in game time at eleven. It's over by two. You have a whole Saturday ahead of you. Right, home games though. It just yeah, takes it yeah. takes it takes. I, I fully get not wanting to wake up early and like having to start tailgating at seven in the morning. That here's the deal. Here's the deal. We, we have no idea what what the home field advantage or oh, atmosphere is going to look like anyway. On it, yeah, yeah, this you know. season it's going to be a wash. I would expect. I mean, we By the way, we already about? can't hear things in the Jordan Hare press box. Imagine now that there's not going to be eighty thousand people in there. Yeah, my my thing. Uh, <laughs> I think how did you like Jake Gooch coming out and saying today, and it was like, "Look, I'm putting a YouTube video out here, out here to tell y'all you're wrong. We're coming. I'll see you Tuesday." And it was just I, like, "I was like, I didn't even, Dang. See, I didn't even see that report. I don't know what you're yeah. talking. I couldn't about find the report sure. after that was a rumor. Okay, I don't know if it was necessarily a report or more. I had, I had heard it multiple times this week that they were that they were going to shut it down and go to. See, I thought that was just, to, I thought that was just a thing that people might be, said. Might, like, I didn't think it was actually something they want to do anyway. But uh, I didn't think it was like something that actually. People thought were going to happen. I just thought like, that was like the joke. Like, ah, oh, they're going to shut it down. So yeah. when they do that, are they going to keep when? the right. athletes on oh, campus? Yeah, because then it'll sure. be like a bubble. Would you call the back, back door bubble? Back door bubble. Yeah, but all right, there we go. That's baby. how you create a bubble without addressing addressing the moral and philosophical arguments against the bubble and amateurism. And all it's that. it's perfect. You say we can't have football unless the kids come back. So you bring the kids back, and then if it doesn't go well, you blame the kids. And send them home. So let me be careful. And get all their money. Yes. That's very important. Also so money that. is very important. But but according to Auburn, they're not doing that. They mm. are they're they're sticking it out. Mm. They're sticking it out. Everything so, is great. So guys. this part isn't as funny, but it was a conversation, speaking of amateurism, with the NCAA's furloughs 
first off, like I'm not laughing at people's pain because we've it's probably a bunch of people that have nothing to do. Like they're just they just work at the NCAA. But so you know, for them and their families, that stinks. They're I, not Mark Emmert. But uh, right, or the infractions the, 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 committee yeah, the, or whatever. The top, those top people making hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars, or Mark Emmert making a few million dollars a year, um, which is all annoying. But like. The responses were, I felt, like, the, the responses were to be expected, right? It was basically people saying, I think Jacob Varner on Twitter said, like, did, did y'all offer them scholarships and exposure? And it's kind yeah. of like, well, I'm not trying to laugh at people's pain too hard, but also, like, a good reminder of what it is we are dealing with and what a ridiculous argument this has been boiled down to. It's going to happen. They're already talking about college basketball bubbles. I saw one today yep. that they were trying to establish one in Nashville, North Carolina, so... It's going to be weird, but we'll see. We'll see how it works. We will see how it works for sure. Sure. Switching gears to this season and actual football, but coming back to that, um, Mark Anthony Richards. We talked about it a little bit on the show earlier this week. The hype train off the rails right now for him. Um, it is. It is. It is pretty pretty high up, which is interesting because it looks to me like if you want to have a hype train right now for Sean Shivers or DJ Williams, like there's enough evidence out there where you can be like, mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. Richards, though, is is the guy that's getting a lot of love right now and a lot of attention, and you wrote a story about him at the Advertiser earlier this week. What did you learn about Mark Anthony Richards a little bit more, um, talking to some people who know him? And, yeah, just what what are, what is Auburn getting? Because this is a guy that I think we both are in agreement, all three of us, honestly, in an agreement that if he was healthy last year, he would have been on the field. Yeah. I think if he's healthy this year, which all accounts are, is he could be – I mean, it's going to be, it's him versus Tank for the moniker of most talented back on the field. He's in every freaking video that's, they put out. And that's where the hype came from. Like, every, every video was He's in the like, background about every photo that Todd sends out. He's just everywhere. And, yeah. he, I mean, he was, I talked to his high school coach, Tom Abel, at Wellington, and he was like, this was, like, Wellington's a decent-sized school, and it was, this right. is like the do-it-all kid. Like, like whatever we're going to, if we need to do a thing, if we need to make a play, just let Mark do it, mm-hmm. and we'll worry about it later. And that was their whole, that was their game plan. The play he told me about, he said it was a rivalry game, two seconds left, ball on the two-yard line, you need a touchdown to win. And he said, Mark, give me the ball. And Mark said, okay, give me the ball. He gave it to him, Wildcat quarterback. 11, 10 guys on the defense ran right at him because everyone in the entire football stadium knew that he was going to get the ball, and he scored anyway. <laughs> there was, it just that, that's what he did. And every, every story I heard was like, this kid can do anything. And, yeah, it's bias coming from a high school coach right. who loves him more than anything, but... But you always gain insight on just what kind of player this guy is. Yeah, um, and person too. This guy like raved, mm-hmm. like like said. But during when things were shut down, not when things were shut. This was last year when uh, he was hurt and not playing. He went home a few times, and the coach said he would like come to the school and like he was like hanging out with the teachers and the principal. Like everyone loved this kid. And then during the summer or during the, the shutdown, mm-hmm. uh, he was home working out at Wellington High. They left the gym open for former players, and. Tom Abel said that Mark Anthony Richards is faster now than he was before his knee injury. I mean, as well as bigger and stronger. Yeah, and, and the bigger and stronger things would be interesting to me because a lot of what I see on him, about him er, screams, and not again, not just because he wears twenty one, but like he it screams early career carry on Johnson as like just get the versatility if you want to put him out wide and swing him in on some sweeps. Um, that that's the that's the thing there, but him being bigger and stronger, can he take the brunt of a feature back workload at Auburn? Um, and you know, I think Auburn doesn't recruit him if they don't think he that he can do that. And then the same thing went for Tank Bigsby. Obviously, the same thing goes for a guy like Sean Chivers, who is big on on running the ball hard. And, and of course, DJ Williams. I mean, the man just 
dragged people around yeah. last year as kind of that powerful back. Um, Are Auburn fans getting overambitious here? Because I think you should be confident about your running backs the way they've recruited, uh, but we don't know what the offensive line looks like. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't really speak anything about the running backs. It's just going to be hard to envision the running backs. Uh, I guess I'll believe it, you know, when I see it, because it's been a struggle uh, recently. Now you've got a new offensive line coach and a new offensive coordinator. And yeah, and, and we'll get into this in a second with the, with our, with the next segment we wanted to do. But I think you can, if you're an Auburn fan, everything's going to be up in the air this year. Like, projections, all that, you can kind of take it all with a, grain of, a bigger grain of salt than usual this year. My thing with the offensive line is you're going to need depth. You're going to need pieces. I'm going to, you know, if you if you're listening to this on a Friday in the mailbag, there's a question about offensive line where I dig into it a little bit more. Why I think Auburn is particularly going to be okay at the offense on the offensive line because it's like everybody needs depth, and Auburn's like working out as many dudes as they can getting quality first team reps. So Auburn might be a little bit more prepared, even though they don't have a ton of experience. They might be a little bit more prepared for COVID football on the offensive line just because so many dudes are having to get first team reps right now because right. they're trying to figure out who the best is either way i will say though that with guys like mark anthony richards and with tank bigsby you can be excited in the fact that auburn has taken a step up in the talent level at the running back position and these two guys are proof and could be you know last two years you haven't been great at running the ball you've been solid at times even good in a, on a few occasions but to get back to where you feel like you want to be inject some more talent in there it's why you got a guy like cody uh cody burns uh, cadillac williams and it's why you're going to recruit guys like and it should only only go from there i mean i saw you know earlier this week their 2021 commitment armani goodwin went all the way off in his return from injury for hewitt trustful so it's just gonna i think it's just gonna be a cycle so get excited about that what's auburn's pitfall if the offensive line performs kind of on a trajectory of where you think all right this can be a sustainable even good group by the end of the year like what's okay fine the offensive line works out it's been a weakness the past couple of seasons if auburn has some disappointing albeit probably close losses just like last year what position group are you looking at going all right this is another area where i'm not sure about it because we've talked about the defensive backs as an uncertainty because of the departures yeah but we also just outline why i think there's some reason to be confident about that group given the fact that it does have a lot of departures in a position group that you don't want to lose a lot of people at if the offensive line works out and clicks clicks well i know i know my pick for pitfall i'm interested what josh josh says here I'm struggling to, to think of me. I, that doesn't mean that the offensive line is good, that Auburn's going to immediately be amazing on offense. Yeah. But I, I struggle to think of a pure weakness outside of maybe experience at wide receiver past those big three. I'll give you one. Bo Nix. Okay. How much does he improve? Because yeah, his, numbers last, his numbers last year were not good enough for – a, for a team to win at a super, yeah. super high level. I think, or, or to have offense that yeah. you need to be championship I. quality. LSU and Georgia, a yeah. top five defense, Florida. and LSU with the scathing, just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Even, even Florida. I mean, that's a good point. I think yeah. there's become almost, not like even in some, but a, a full-blown expectation that Bo Nix will be better to the point where he's he should a superstar. Be. And he should be. And he should We're be. We're all banking on it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we do assume it too much. But I think that's the expectation. Like, but he's going to be good. My thing that's the pitfall is what if he doesn't take that step forward? It's been a weird year. Yeah. He's done as much as he could yeah. to, to get better, but, like, it's a weird year. Or if he takes a step, but not that big giant one we're thinking of. And quarterback's the most important position on the field. 100%. And if you, you can't win at a high level without really good quarterback play. Or to be to where you think where Auburn fans want Auburn you to be. You can win nine games. 
on a regular season, but you can't. That you're not going to get to that level Auburn fan wanted to be at without the elite. Quarterback. Last thing I wanted to ask you about Mark Anti Richards. Check out that story. Josh has got it, and the the uh, early kickoff story at the Montgomery Advertiser, MontgomeryAdvertiser.com. You're Josh Vitale on Twitter. Uh, anything? Because this is what this is the angle about Mark Anti Richards that that interests me, especially knowing Chris, uh, Chris, Chad Morris's background. I am so bad at names today, <laughs> especially knowing Chad Morris's background. Him as a receiving option yes. because his older brother was really good, mm-hmm. and if he wouldn't have had the injuries that he had, I think he's already playing in the NFL. And Amon, draft pick. Yeah, yeah, and, and Amon, he was a really, really talented player. Got to think some of that rubs off on him a little bit, just to, just having an older brother who was a really good receiver. And it looks like what he did in high school as well. They just wanted to get the ball in his hands. That's something that Auburn wants to, to do more of this year because they haven't thrown the ball a ton to their running backs recently. Yeah, I think that's going to be a thing you'll see this year. Um, I think Richard's if you're looking at all four four running backs, might be the most experienced having done that in high school. Yeah. Apparently, he was a guy that they lined up in the slot a lot, like Carryon Johnson, which I think was part of where those comparisons come from. And you know, I think Chad Morris is going to throw to that position. I, I broke down the numbers in a story, I think, last week, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but just looking back at Auburn's passing numbers to running backs versus Chad Morris's numbers running backs, Chad Morris threw to that position a lot more. I think he had a, a running back, top at least 15 receptions, like nine out of 10 seasons in his career. Yeah. Gus has had it twice since being at Auburn. It was carry on. Two it was carry on two years around because he was such a good receiver yeah. option. Yeah. Random thought has uh, everyone's clamoring for Tyreek Hill, Anthony Schwartz comparisons at the beginning of, I guess it was 2018. Ryan Davis, a little bit Lindsay's offense lined up in the backfield, but I think they motioned him out a lot yes. too. Yes. Is there did he do that at SMU or Arkansas or Clemson, where he would move a guy into the backfield or? They did a lot of motion. They did a lot of they did a lot of orbit motion and stuff like that. So I think you're going to see some of that. And I think you're going to see motion to get the receivers. I mean, the running backs into receiving options, and I think you're going to see some running opportunities for guys at receiver. We know Eli Stove can do it, and we know that Anthony Schwartz can do it as well. It's something he definitely did. If you go back to his Clemson days, he did that a lot with Sammy Watkins. Uh, who I think is the best like role comparison for Anthony Schwartz. I think that's a that's a very close comparison. If you want to say, I found not getting... not talent not talent wise, but just yeah. like this is and we wrote and I wrote about it earlier this week. Not talent wise necessarily, but just like this is how you need to use him, or this is right. how I should say I shouldn't say this is how you need to use him. I'm not a this I'm not I'm not a football coach. Chad, yeah. if you're listening, yeah, I'm not a football coach. This is how you could use him, yeah, and it's something that you have experience doing. Auburn has a lot of those guys that you think are they're not just like oh he's wide receiver. He's like there's they have a lot of guys who could do multiple things. It's the future of football man, yeah, you got to be able to do you got to be do a little bit of everything and make it unpredictable. And you. Included that highlight in your story about Schwartz at Substack.com, but like the Sammy Watkins thing got me giddy. Like, and I, I understand what you're saying. Like, both I, are track guys, I'm right? Like, yeah, don't again. Versatile track guys, about the same size. If, if you if you really want to get giddy, if you're an Auburn fan, just like look at the just look at the the stats page for Clemson's offense all year. Yeah, it was there. And people will be like, well, they got better after Chad left, and it was like, yeah, yeah, but, they have to show Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like they got better after Chad left. It was like, good point, but like, if Auburn can get to where Clemson was, <laughs> they, yeah, you know, in that stretch, play really good Kevin Steele defense with that. That's a championship caliber team. Taj Boyd, his first year as starting quarterback, threw for thirty eight hundred yards. Well, and they were Chad pretty good, and, he, and he's and he's guaranteed the Bo Nix will do the same. Yes, I saw that. He has done that. So, Wasn't there a little period where they were going to New Year's Bowls? Pretty, like, I guess when oh, yeah. Florida State was kind of running the ACC. Deshaun, Deshaun got him over the hump. Deshaun got, got him over the hump because he's Deshaun Watson. He's a, he's a really special, good. If you, special, if you special Deshaun Watson play, come on. player for sure. All right, this is switching into, we were talking a lot about running backs, something that Painter came up with. Oh, what we're gonna do, What we're going to do as we go through this preseason, we're going to do a little segment 
uh, here in the show where we're going to talk about certain position groups in the Malzahn era and just kind of talk about the evolution of it, of it, where we talk about talent, production, just kind of the ups and downs of what we've seen throughout. And, you know, we, we you, this was your baby, so well, like, tell, me, tell me a little bit more I'm about I'm curious what, to see how people view different running backs. For instance, Trey mm-hmm. Mason, incredible career at yeah. Auburn in the 2012 year, still managed to get to 1,000 yards. It was about the only thing Auburn could hang its head on. Small moral victory, you take it. 2013, we know what happens. He explodes. But some unfortunate things kind of derail his NFL career. Um, on Johnson goes on to be SEC yep. Offensive Player of the Year. If he stays healthy, it looks like he's going to have a sustained career in the NFL. Uh, Cameron Artis Payne and... Uh, Corey Grant. Corey Grant, as well as Peyton Barber. It's interesting mm-hmm. to, to me to see what Auburn fans think about those three players' careers, especially Barber, because he really only had one season. All right, so let's walk through the timeline, and it's good to jump off because we will wrap it up talking about some of these new guys that are in, like Mark Hansen, right, Richard right. Zantank, Bigsby. But, yeah, Gus Malzahn, 2013, he inherits Trey Mason and Corey Grant. Trey Mason, a guy that he had helped recruit when he was at Auburn. Corey Grant, who had transferred from Alabama. They do pick up Cameron Artis Payne as a JUCO transfer to be that to be that extra option out of the backfield. And uh, I will say, 2013, Offense could run the ball a good bit. That was a, that was a good group. Pretty good at that that year. Trey Mason becomes a Heisman finalist, and it was just like this offense was just a blur. Like you, yeah. we you'd never really seen pretty basic in terms of like what they did. It's just they did it super super it well, and nobody could stop them. Of that scene, I mean cliche, but ever, and remember the Titans when they're about to go off to camp, and uh, the coaches come up to I guess Denzel's character and yeah. talk about how thin the playbook is, and he says something to the effect of it's like Novocaine. Yeah, all right, so there you mm-hmm. go. I mean, and it, it does seem you watch that movie once or twice. I've you? watched that movie probably a hundred times. It's, it, 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 Denzel. You, you do it in elementary school and middle school. It's like the movie everybody put on, at least where I was. Um, so, yeah, Mason, Mason, pretty good recruit coming out of coming out of high school, has a really good career. High shout out to De La Soul, by the way. Yeah, great genes. <laughs> shout out to De La Soul. Cameron Spain really works because in 2014, after Mason leaves, he becomes the guy and he plays – Really, really well gets a spot in the NFL off of was it. Was he deceptively shifty? Just didn't have like high end speed. Like yeah, he just looked like he just looked like a dude. He just looked like a dude that was there to just bowl you over. But he moved really well. Um, he he was a very effective running back at Auburn. And just another guy, you know, when Auburn picks their spots with JUCO dudes, it's like when they go out and get dudes like Dre Butler and Marco Domeo and certain guys. It's like there's a reason for that. Yeah, you're not building your program off the guy, but if you pick your spots right, you can do very well against those guys. Corey Grant, Corey Grant, by the way, like the ultimate like. Supplemental back, like just so fast. He rushed like for eight and nine yards a carry in like 2013 and 2014. I believe yeah. he rushed for almost 10 yards a touch. Yeah, he only needed like four or five touches a game to like be a difference maker, and that's that's yeah. the guy that you want to have. All right, so Auburn gets the momentum off of that 2013 run, right? And they sign Rock Thomas, five star, Mr. Football in the state in the state of Alabama. Gosh. A lot of high, a lot of high hopes for third highest for ranked high, high hopes. in program history. Yeah, breaks high, my heart every time. High hopes for Rock Thomas, and it just it never it just never really got off the ground for him. I think the fumble and the Iron Bowl in fourteen like just shattered a lot of confidence in him, uh, and just never really picked it up from there. Um, you know, ends up finishing out his career, uh, playing solidly at the FCS level, but was with know, the Vikings for a time. Yeah, was with the Vikings Tough for faced. a time. It just you know it, it's one of those things where it's like. Not every five star pans out exactly how you think it think it was. I think there were some other different factors, and Auburn's able to fill in as we're going to talk about some of these guys with that. But like, 
you look at this list, there's 17, there's like 16, 17 guys on here. And it's like the guys who played, like, you can only pick out like one or two guys that just didn't, two or three guys that didn't work out. And Thomas, the high profile one, the one everybody picks, but like you do it all over again. The If there's a five-star running back in the state of Alabama and you got him instead of Alabama, you take that 100%. Yeah. Because you're afraid that if you're right, Thomas goes to Alabama, he wants well, the high. I also feel a bit vindicated if, if still disappointed that he did have an NFL career. Like you scouted him, people were correct to think he was a talent. It just didn't work out for whatever reason at all. It happens. Auburn goes into a little bit of a lull here, and we all know 15 is not a great year for Auburn offensively, but Peyton Barber becomes the savior, much like Jonathan Wallace like yeah. kept everything from completely falling apart. In 12, you get uh, Peyton Barber to a different extent, rushes for 1,000 yards, ends up going to the NFL. Still in the league. Still in the league. Wins then the Jack State game, more or less. Basically. And just, like, fill it in. Like, nobody, three-star running back out of, out of high school, nobody really thought he was going to be a key difference maker for Auburn, but stepped in and in a good spot. And it's like, there's a few of these on this list where you start thinking about him. It's like, oh, that's just good scouting. That's just good scouting and just guys who step up their opportunity. Another one that didn't work out, Javon Robinson, for different reasons. There were injuries that, that derailed him in 15. Of course, he signed with Auburn out of high school, and there were some grades issues there, and he couldn't go, he couldn't stay, and they had some off-the-field issues that led to his uh, dismissal at the start of the 16th season. Um, that one didn't work out. My first day covering fall camp was Jovan had got dismissed today. Yep. That was my first day. Welcome to the beat. But in 15, Auburn also picks up Carryon Johnson. The case of just keep on doing. You sign yeah. Mr. Football, and then you sign Mr. Football again at yeah, the running back position. Not as highly rated as Rod Thomas, but an outstanding recruit in, in, in high school. He worked out. player at Auburn. Yeah. The 2017 season was just every week he was that dude. Well, outside of like Cam Newton and Bo Jackson, especially if you're under 25, Kerry Don Johnson's probably one of your favorite players, if not your favorite yep. player. Yep. Like, both for the talent and just generally seeming like a decent human. Carryon Johnson, by the way, you know, big big time. And it's the thing is they, they pick up bigger-name guys. You know, get the recruit, get the recruit. There's a lull right here, and then it comes back up in terms of recruiting, as we talked about earlier. Which is why I think... It's why Calic Williams is your, is your run back coach. moved off from Tim Horton. But they have it in the form of uh, Carryon Johnson. His breakout doesn't come until 17 because... The breakout before then came from the form of, in 2016 of Cameron Petway, a dude that could not be tackled on first try. He just went could not. supernova for like five games in all that six There's a five, yeah. And like Johnson, I think it's just injuries and, and there will yeah. always be what-ifs attached to him. But again, kind of like kind of like a supercharged that. version of Peyton Barber and like right guy, right spot needed yep. him. And, you know, Auburn plays Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl because of that season. It, you know, they, they they bounce back from 15, not as much as they, as they do in 17, they bounced back from 15 in pretty good fashion because Cameron Petway just couldn't be tackled on a dude who started his career playing fullback. Indulge me if uh, Petway's season in 17 goes more the way Auburn fans would have liked, i.e. he plays. Right. We got a glimpse of him in Arkansas. I think he has eight or nine carries for roughly 90 yards. I believe he, he well adds two touchdowns, but hurts himself, doesn't really come back, right? And if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, if I'm wrong, yeah. um, and it's like, indulge me on what happens if you get that version of Petway with Johnson, because Johnson explodes at the end of the season, so in a way it probably cuts into Johnson's workload. At the same time, though, how beneficial is that when Johnson gets hurt? Carryon Johnson is an SEC Player of the Year. He probably is in a second-round draft pick, uh, but Auburn probably wins the SEC. 
Yeah, because you have the depth to kind of fill in. I think that's what I'm going. I think right. I, yeah, I think it's I just agree a snake. It's just a snake bit year towards the end when yeah. it came to injuries. And I, I still think I think that season and the one before it influence where Auburn is now. Yes, as far as having multiple guys they want to use. Uh, about at the midway point here, Cam Martin signs with Auburn after the what all goes down at Baylor. Um, pretty good pickup for 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 them. Just a, a solid. I think if he would have stuck, and I, and I like Cam Martin, one of the nicest guys I've ever covered, um, and you know you just hope right he's successful there. in everything that he does. Yeah. Um, Cam Martin, though, is one of those guys I think with his style. If they would have kept him to like a Corey Grant type of role mm-hmm. throughout his career, and there wasn't that pressure to make him the number one, yeah, if Auburn probably would have had a little bit deeper re- recruiting at running back during this time, you're thinking, you know. You're, you're, you're thinking he might have had a better – because his first two seasons, he was kind of like Corey Grant. He just was a big play threat Yeah, as that change of pace back. After carry on left, they tried to make him the number one guy, beefed him up, and it just wasn't the same. Stan Drew had bounced around positions, didn't really work out. I thought he was going to – I thought he was going to be kind of like carry on-esque in terms of like his impact early on in like being able to Rest be a receiver. runner and a receiver. He should have flash of that in 16, I remember, but then he was gone after that season. Malik Miller looked like he was going to be the dude, and then um, that knee injury, just he never recovered from it. Yeah. Um, but he played a really good role these last these yeah. last couple of seasons for Auburn, just being the guy who – short yardage, pass protector – very well, I heard any whispers about that guy being interested in coaching or wanting to get in because oh, no. I, I think it would. I, I don't know, but it seems like something that could work. The way people talk about him, he would be. I think he would be a really good coach if he mm-hmm. if he decided to go in that in that direction. Devin Barrett never really clicked for him at running back. Uh, he's still at Auburn at, at defensive back. He I'm, just I'm really curious to see look out in the field at corner this year. They're going to need that depth. Yeah, they're going to need that depth. So I think I think you'll see him there. Then not recruited as a running back, but ends up playing there. Booby Whitlow. I mean, Auburn's running game the last two seasons. Here's your guy. Yeah. Here's your guy. But it, this is he where... Said, he was really good in moments. But it, you notice, I just mentioned Martin, Truett, Miller, Barrett, Whitlow. None of those guys kind of got to that, could get to that level that Petway had, mm. that that um, Johnson, that Johnson definitely had, or Trey Mason, or some of those other guys. And so it's kind of why you're in this position you are now. But we will, another kind of like... Uh, Peyton Barber, kind of like Cameron Petway to an extent, kind of gap filler when you needed him the most. But Auburn wanted to step their game up in recruiting at running back, and is why you get these some of these guys at the end of the list. Sean Shivers, Harold Always Joyner. going to get a free drink in Auburn for that. Sean Shivers, an Auburn legend forever. I think a dude that if he if if he can make the most of his chances early, he could be a he could be a key piece of this offense this year. One yeah. of the criticisms of him, uh, and I don't know if it's fair or not. It's just I think Auburn fans have this opinion. Some Auburn fans do is that he. Uh, doesn't have good hands. I don't know that to be the case. It's he, just like because they don't use him in that role, I think Auburn fans have now made that assumption. He, and it he, might be true, but I'm not saying it is. I don't receiver. know. Not even in high school. High school, I think he caught like three passes his whole career. Auburn, he's caught five or six, but for like no more than 20 yards total. He's and then, never been a receiver. I got the feeling after Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year, Auburn fans got really enamored because they're both smaller backs. And it's like, well, they're not like I think they're not the same. Hilaire's five inches taller than him, four inches taller than him. Like that's yeah. that's not insignificant. I digress. I just I wondered if that's he, your tank, Bigsby, Mark Anthony, Richard. Yeah, and like, are yeah. you guys disappointed in his role? That like last year, I mean, I understand people. Some people want him to have more touches, but like when he, I think again, he, he picked his spots. Yeah, but I think he, at most he's a five to ten touches per game guy. I think he can be incredibly productive with those five or ten touches. He but was, he's not going to be a led the team guy. in yards before contact last year. Yeah. 
Like he, I mean, that speed makes a difference. And it's a speed and a willingness to stick your nose in there and, and play hard-nosed football because that's what he did in high school. You look at him, he's like, oh, he's a little scat back. No. Yeah. That man is that man is built to run through people. Sean Shivers. As he did with Xavier McKinney. Yeah. Sean Shivers <laughs> does not care that he's 5'7". No. It does not mean anything to him. He, he plays like he's 6'7". He plays like he's 6'7". Yeah. Uh, Harold Joyner, I'm just fascinated to see what ends up with him. I, I think I, I don't think traditional running back, traditional receiver is his role. I think it's just some you make a role for a guy like that. Yeah, I, 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 I he will never carry 15 times a game. I don't think so. No, but and if you can be a playmaker, and if you're looking at his size still, and you're thinking like he needs to be like a every down back, that's not his game. It wasn't his no. game in high school. It wasn't it's not, they recruited him. It's not his style. I yeah. mean, I know he's big, but he he's not he's not he's not Derrick Henry. Are any of Auburn's backs going to get more than 15 carries this season anyway? Whoever, get whoever, it's going to be hot hand. Yeah. I think I think it's just going to. But be even good. still, like I mean, I guess it's the idea of someone getting 20 carries in a game is not all that outlandish. But no. like to the point it, that you guys have made about the committee, well, will someone get 20 carries in the game? Yes. Will anyone average twenty carries in the game? Fair enough. That I don't know. Fair enough. That'll be. I, that, I'm gonna. Be I'm gonna guess no. We talked a lot about Mark Hansen Richards, so we'll so we'll skip that over. And then Tank Bigsby. I mean, Tank mm-hmm. Bigsby is just getting back to what you want. He was a five star, and then he committed to Auburn. He magically got got, got dropped to a four star. Wow, that never happens. Um, you know, one of the best running backs in America uh, coming out of high school. Right down the road in in um, in Lagrange, like just a good, a really good running back. He's got a complete skill set, highly rated. He is why Cadillac Williams is your as running back coach. You got a lot of and like no disrespect at all, but you look at that stretch Auburn had where they had to get some stopgap guys Mm -hmm. in there um, at running back. Tim Horton knows how to produce running backs. He knows how to coach. He knows how to coach running backs, and he got a lot of production out of some dudes that they weren't necessarily superstars coming mm-hmm. out of high school. Tremendous respect for him. Yeah. One of the great guys in coaching for sure. But part of the reason I think Auburn makes that change is they got to get more talent in the yes. backfield and then see what they can do, and that's why Cadillac Williams is there. And if, and if you're a, a high school senior and Cadillac Williams walks into your living room after rushing for however many yards did at Auburn, being a first-round pick in the NFL draft, you listen to that guy yeah. immediately. It's like, oh, Cadillac Williams is in my living room. Well, he has some... Uh, essentially trails like Bo Jackson and some pretty major. He's like he's number right? two to like everything that Bo did. So I yeah. think Trey Mason might have the edge on him and then in like one category. Mm. Finally, um, just wanted to put him in there. Armani Goodwin, um, right. currently Coming committed to Auburn. Uh, big play terror. Yes. Like even more like Tank Bigsby. I think Tank Bigsby had that home run hitting ability, much like Richards is why Auburn got him because they were missing that in the mm. Whitlow. E kind of era, and of course, offensive line play. All of this is interconnected. Yes. But Armani Goodwin is like one of those things where it's like, oh, Armani Goodwin's averaging nine and a half uh, yards yeah. of carry. Um, You're giving so. him chances off the bat, right? Given the eligibility. Oh, yeah. And I'm interested to see what he does this year because he's coming off that injury. Um, he played really well, you know, or in his in his first, I think, his first two games mm-hmm. um, of of his high school career. Also, I'm going to have personally a lot uh, <laughs> invested in how he does just in his high school because my JV basketball coach is the offensive coordinator at Hewitt Trussell okay. now and the running backs coach. Um, so I, I need uh, you know so you have all the scoops. One, I need you to I need you to uh, get it, <laughs> to get it, you know, see how see how effective he is. Yeah. And if he doesn't have a great year, I'm gonna blame the coaching. So he's got to just blame the coaching. Uh, how are we doing on time? We're good. We're sitting at almost an hour, my friend. All right. So we did some talking. We did some talking, and we'll do a little bit more here to wrap it up. Right. Um, I just like to say that we should have more people named Roger and Ralph. 
Both of those names are good names. Ralph is interesting. uh, It is my grandfather's name. I'd like it to get more into our uh, culture. Roger is great. I just feel like Ralph's always like a fat guy. Like, that's what I always think about. He's like a... You know, I I, I knew one Ralph growing up, and he was a a larger larger kid. Yeah. I just feel like Ralph is like a... Yeah. And calling somebody he's a, a nice guy. He's a bigger guy. Raj. I, I like that. I like being able to refer to someone as Raj. They call McCreary Raj, and I like that. Yeah, Raj is good. Yeah. I used that quote in your uh, in the story you did on the defense backs from. from oh yeah, from, I think Smoke said it. Yeah, Smoke said it. So he called um, he called Roger McCreary Raj like eight times in one Raj. episode. It's amazing. Yes, <laughs> another great quote. Just a walking, just a walking quote machine. Yeah, I hope we get him more this year. Um. Josh, uh, let everyone know where they can um, l- read all your stuff and, and all that and all that jazz. Uh, you can read all my things at MontgomeryAdvertiser.com. I am on Twitter at Josh Vitale. Uh, Auburn's got a scrimmage on Saturday. We'll hear from Gus Malzahn after that. Very interested to see where it goes. I think the one good thing for Auburn is that despite rumors to the contrary, Bo Nix is still out there and it's yes. like they are making a point to like have a picture of him. Like Todd is like, need a boat? No. And like it's great for writers because like, yeah. well, you can always use the pictures of the quarterback. It yes. always sells well, but it's like, need to put those out there. That was a very weird. It always happens. The college Every PR year. game's a crazy one too because so much of it's based on limited access. So it's like they're having to do something like yeah. this because of the, the culture generally yeah. of college football versus professional Seen athletics. Seen Seth Williams out there a good bit. Um, yeah. So I, and, and the, the offensive reports, line. The reports on Seth Williams are like, he looks like more athletic and faster. <laughs> was, it, it was my thing about Seth Williams and why I thought he blew up last year and why he could be in line for a big year this year is that, you know, when he was in high school, he was doing everything. Yes. And just the ability to lock in, like, you, you sculpt out that unreal athleticism by playing every sport in high school. Yeah. But then when you're able to focus all of that into just one sport, yeah. once you get your bearings, that freshman season, once you get your bearings, that sophomore season he had, he just blows up because yeah. I think just people can't, you can't imagine like, oh, I was really good at all these things and now I just only have to put my effort into being really good at a few things. A lot of, uh, lot of Bordarius ham sightings uh, on the offensive line. A lot of Brandon Council sightings as well. I think I think he starts somewhere. I think I think Broderius Ham is locked in at right tackle, and Brandon Council is locked in somewhere. somewhere. I don't know where. And Brahms at center. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to guess Council one of the guard spots. I still think Troxel is going to win that left tackle spot if he's healthy, and I, by all accounts, he's healthy. And I like the other guard, the guard like the potential ones you can have, and we don't know who's in or who's out at this point, but like. I, uh, Keandre Jones makes a ton of sense. Uh, Tayshawn Manning has been has been yeah. I- involved. I don't know if Brendan Coffey has played there, but I've seen him in photos as being one of the guys repping. So Man. It's, it's, it'd be a it'd be a monstrous. I'm just like he's a gigantic guard, but it's just the way he played on film in JUCO is yeah. just like oh, that's a dude you want pulling outside and just just mm-hmm. putting people in the turf. Any word on uh, Zuriar? That's the one I don't know he, yet because you know I haven't seen it. I haven't I'm seen the photo, and, and I don't think I've seen him in video either. From what Gus said at the start of camp, Troxel was 100% good to go. Zaire was close to 100%. He was cleared, yeah. but not cleared to go 100%, I guess, is the yeah. determination. So I don't – I feel like he might be a guy you wait till next year to see. Probably. Uh, especially, especially, now, especially now that you got a free – everybody the gets, free a, years, gets a free year. Very helpful for Juco, guys. Uh, defensive line, uh, just a ton of Derek Hall and, and Big Cat Bryant, as we all expected. Yeah, um, and see, Big Cat said some very positive things about TD Moultrie, so may, maybe this is the year we finally see TD do it. All right, so I didn't have enough for a full story on this. Okay. If you go back and look at the numbers last year, TD Moultrie got to the quarterback. Yeah. Very got limited there. opportunities, but he gets to the quarterback, and I think just with more experience, I think he's a rabbit's guy this year. 
You yeah. figure out if you put Big Cat or it's just on the other because no. we've heard TD Moultrie is like going to be that guy for four years. He just hasn't clicked consistently. Seen it, a lot of uh, seen a lot of Marquise Burks and Dre Butler too. Yeah, Dre Butler. I think Dre Butler is going to be play man's man. I am a I think Dre, big I, fan of that guy. I think Dre. I think Dre Butler is going to be Nick Coe ish in terms of like let's put him anywhere yeah. and let him and let him go to work. As far as like a, a pass rusher from the interior, he might be the guy best suited for that role because he was such a good pass rusher at Utah. Tyron Truesdale just as steady as they come, man. Just, Tyron the, just what a great story too. We talked about underrated yeah. guys earlier with McCreary. Just I remember, I remember him leaving leaving his official visit, and I remember just the word being like, "Yeah, he's probably gonna end up going to FAU or something yeah. like that." And it's like, "Oh, it ends up working out." And the dude, it clicked. No, yeah, he went through. He went through the ringer from Rodney, oh, Rodney Garner, Garner. <laughs> but it got him. It got but him he, in the right he's, spot. He's on Tavares Russell reincarnate. Just like he's never going to be a playmaker. He's never going to have ten sacks. But yeah. he's going to every highlight you watch. There's two blockers on him. Uh, we've talked a lot about defensive backs, linebackers. It'll be just. It's going to be the. It's KJ Britt show. Which is how how many pictures and videos can you put of KJ Britt out there? The people will love it. He's yeah. a, he's involved in a lot of stuff like uh, like SEC wide, <laughs> SEC wide, and and. Uh, and like yeah, like ESPN and like promotional stuff. Like you're seeing a lot of, uh, you're seeing a lot of um, KJ Brett. Yeah, and Owen Popo because you got the zero. Yeah, KJ is the face of the defense now. He was pretty much last year, but now he really, no, truly is. Fascinating to see who the linebackers are, like how they rotate yeah. the linebackers because they need a new way. Their only to come problem out. is you don't have Wooten. You don't have Wooten this year, which you need clears in the up middle. some things. Yeah, their only problem is like having all that talent and being like, how do you divvy it up for what you're saying for the future. Um, I, I feel like we're going to see some Wesley Steiner, and I think we're going to enjoy seeing some Wesley Steiner because the kid's a freak athlete. Also, by the way, I'm 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 still in on it. Like, could be if he's healthy and he plays, you know, and all that, he's, he's available. Still banking on the fact that COVID claims going to have a monster year. Like, yes, that's my that's he's my pick. Like, if my pick to click on offense is Bradarius Ham, defensively, it's definitely is a COVID claim. And I just said all those really nice things about Roger McCreary, and they're all true. But yeah. I think McLean, I think McLean's just well, the guy. Auburn's linebackers, even even with that Wooten, which is going to be a loss, they're going to miss him. But just Britt, McLean, and Papo is a ridiculous trio of linebackers I think for a team that only plays two at a time. Trey so, Butler will be my favorite defensive player this year. Uh, special teams wise, uh, the punters here, Oscar. Oh, sweet yeah. Oscar! All caps, Oscar is is in the building. Um, so that'll be good for Auburn to you know finally be able. They to have work like through. three punters that can battle, which is. Well, Gus, two months ago they had none. Sunday night, Gus was like they were like, "Oh, how many people do you have practice in now, or how many people are available to practice right now?" And he was like a hundred. It was like it was like one hundred six, one hundred twenty-two, one hundred twenty-two. Yeah. Oh, overall minus overall. sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you have, especially this year, was so big on walk-ons. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. just they're not going to play if you unless it's absolutely necessary. But like you definitely need them to get through practices. Yeah. Which makes me think the two the practices they canceled because they felt so under undermanned at certain position groups is like that's oh, not great. No. Um, but we'll what, see how it goes. Um, they are, are referring so, to huh? What are you referring to? What do you mean? Uh, the thing about not being great. Oh, just, oh, just the cases. Ah, uh, uh, and the, uh, the, the, my, the, my, the that, that that two position groups like they didn't want to feel like it was enough to practice. No, we know there were only nine positive cases and that you know eighteen or out this week because I of see. contact tracing and all that. But it's like. It's not a great sign if you like because it's going to hit specific groups. That's the concern because if it if it hits one position, it could just hit that position hard, hard and you're having to rely on walk-ons. Yeah, that's or that, even not walking. You're and that's why moving guys around. The question is is there because like if you look at just raw numbers, Auburn yeah. could play a game Saturday, 
having enough bodies, no problem. Mm -hmm. But is there a threshold that, like, we don't have enough bodies at this position to be able to survive? Like, with LSU hearing last week, they had all but four offensive linemen quarantined. If that happens during the season, can you play? No one knows the answer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to do it for the second episode of the Auburn Observer podcast. Um, You are listening to this on a Friday, uh, more than likely. Uh, Mailbag, the first mailbag. Josh, Josh, you bowed out this week. Yes. I appreciate it. But you're in the mailbag. I'm in the. You're going to answer my question. Yes, I'm answer, oh, I yes, answered your I'm question. Very, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, can I find out what the question is or not? You can look it up on Twitter. Okay, fair um, enough. But send it in. Yeah. Uh, so that's out on Friday. Sometime this weekend, uh, we are going to put out some sort of, you know, what we learned, takeaways, uh, something like that from the scrimmage and this. Pe- and now that now that we are back into practice mode again yeah. for Auburn, we'll have some of that. That'll be over the weekend. I know it's a holiday weekend, so we're not going to try to overload you with too much. Painter and I will be back uh, with a new podcast episode on Monday. So take a look out for that on Monday. If you're listening to this through Substack, keep in mind we're now on Apple, we're now on Spotify, we're now on all your favorite podcast devices. We are trying to work on YouTube because Painter tells me people listen to podcasts on YouTube a good bit. That's how he listens to them. We're going to add that as well. We're going to try to get them as many ways as possible. DM me if you listen to TuneIn, Pocket Cast, or Stitcher. I'm just curious. I think because Stitcher's a little bit more popular. Yes, but Apple and Spotify seem to be the general go-to. So I'm just curious who all of you are out there that are listening to those and why you find them to be advantageous. You can follow me on Twitter at jfergusonau. You can follow him on Twitter at paintsharpless. Um, yeah, subscribe, auburnobserver.com to the Substack. Appreciate everybody who has been uh, plugged in early on, and this has been a phenomenal first week, and I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, thank you. Tell your friends, share the podcast, share the stories, tweet out the links, all that good stuff. Remember, it is 100% free. This podcast, all the stories we got, 100% free Sorry, throughout the month of September. October 1st, we will switch over to some sort of paid format. Um, if more of you sign up, the price might go down. So <laughs> that keep that, tell keep that in mind. Tell keep that in mind. Tell, tell, tell your, your children. Tell, your, tell yeah. your partner. Tell, tell everybody. Tell everyone. You know. Tell everybody. Subscribe. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Yeah. You know. Do that for podcasts. Don't do that for the. That's don't, true. don't do that for the. That'd be dumb. Don't do that for the Substack. Yeah. Leave us a review if you like the show. All that good stuff. Wherever you listen to your podcast. We're done. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, guys. I love. I you. look forward to doing this again. We will do it again sometime in the near future. Talk to y'all on Monday.